Hey guys, I just had a lot of fun interviewing Sid Merchant, who is a co-founder of Good Flipping Burgers, which is one of my most favorite burger joints in Mumbai. We spoke about Greek mythology. We spoke about what to look for in a co-founder. We spoke about how his Starbucks experience helped him craft the experience at Good Flipping Burgers. We also spoke about happiness index and many other things. Go watch the video. Go watch the podcast. Learn something new and apply it in your business. And I'm very, very sure that you'll become successful by applying that. I'll see you guys on the inside. Uh, Sid, I am a huge fan of your product, and I've known your company before I knew you, right? And uh, consume good flipping burgers almost on a weekly basis. Wow! And that's my one indulgence. Uh, otherwise, I'm on a little stricter diet, if you want to call that. But mm-hmm. uh, that's one of my indulgences. Uh, so, I, I, before we get into Good Flipping Burgers, I would like to know what has your life been like before you guys founded Good Flipping Burgers. Uh, it's uh, I think it's been a it's been a very uh, Mumbai struggle uh, sort of life. Uh, it's been a young uh, man trying to find his way around the big city, uh, trying to find uh, you know jobs that fit something that he wants to do. Uh, where is my where does my passion lie questions about career mm. uh, so on and so forth you know i was uh, most in the majority of those people who didn't had absolutely no idea what they wanted to do in life uh, right they graduated and they were like okay i need to get a job so yeah so so come up the hard way um, uh, did a couple of uh, door to door sales jobs selling sim cards at some point of time nice uh, that lasted a week <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know i i kind of knew that wasn't meant for me uh, uh and got a got a job with a real estate company small real estate company selling a selling a project in mumbai started with that and that just put me into real estate uh big brand uh, such as jll came calling uh, you know joined them nice. uh, as a very very junior guy obviously you start as an executive mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. uh what was interesting at that point of time is that uh you know i walked into the room and the hr person uh, had i had passed the first round and the hr person asked me so what do you want to join retail or commercial i was like what's the difference i don't know so he said no oh, retail is much better commercial is just office space so i said okay i'll join retail <laughs> so that's how it happened uh i jumped into the world of uh, brokering uh, retail worked with malls such as uh, phoenix palladium uh nice. uh was involved in the privatization of the mumbai airport oh. uh, when that happened and that was a that would have been a big deal yeah so Lot of we, learning we were the exclusive partners at that point of time wow. with gvk we were working very closely with the chairman at that mm. point of time and mm. uh, modernizing the entire mumbai airport with the retail part of course uh, did many projects ha- got a got a great opportunity at a, a national level brand uh, de- business development head uh, for brands such as Nautica, Access Rise, Guess, Debenhams. So got some great uh, experience in multiple cities across India. Earlier I had my geography was limited to Mumbai and Pune. Uh, that kind of expanded and so it went on and on. Uh, uh, founded a small, co-founded a small coffee company. I think that's when I kind of knew that I wanted to take a leap. Uh, I want to do something on my own. Uh, working with brands, uh, I think made me kind of very very brand oriented i always wanted to create 
some kind of a brand uh, you know whenever i had spare time i'd think of a sports brand or a clothing brand uh, so on and so forth and um, uh, over a period of time i got to understand that my passion also was food uh, something that you know uh, rules our emotions on a daily basis mm-hmm. so that is something that really took to me so with uh, with coffee i i launched a small coffee company called uh, Uh, currently it's called KC Roasters it used to be called Koinonia Coffee okay um, so co-founded that with a couple of people uh, got some great experience through that uh, things didn't quite work out uh, with the partners mm-hmm. and uh, i quit that and starbucks came calling mm-hmm. um, that was a big big one for me in fact i remember when starbucks was launched in the country i tried to apply on the job portal just to see what would happen uh but i got a great opportunity there uh i got a great opportunity with working with the team to set up the 500 store plan for them oh wow uh, and uh, i think about a year and a half into that i really got to do finally what i wanted about maybe 16 or 17 years into my working career is uh, they let me head product uh and that was a uh, that was just a dream job for me um i was one of the key stakeholders to introduce diwali blend uh the coffee uh, i think uh, they'll be launching mm-hmm. it soon internationally as well mm-hmm. so so that happened and uh, yeah that's pretty much uh, what wow. i did and so this was all the way up to 2019 this was all the way up to 2019 i was still employed with starbucks when uh, good flipping started as a, mm. a small side gig mm. uh, you know uh, and before that also there were a couple of other side gigs there were some failures there were some successes uh, we did a food franchise uh, uh, uh my my current co-founder and i actually we tied up into a business together virian and me we did a food franchise with tibs frankie okay we learned a lot we opened two outlets uh, you know one did really really well one not so well uh, but we learned a little bit about the food business uh, but what was funny is that we realized very soon that there's no joy uh, in in putting your time and energy in somebody else's business although tibs frankie is a fantastic brand uh i think legacy brand mm-hmm. uh so we tried to introduce something of our own so uh, so we came up with this brand uh, called patli gali mm. <laughs> it's mumbai sandwiches we said hey uh, you know we can glamorize mumbai sandwiches mm-hmm. and sell them mm-hmm. uh, needless to say it flopped really badly <laughs> but i think failures teach you so much <laughs> of course. more than successes yeah. so it, what what was your big lesson from each of your failures So uh, Patli Gali taught us that marketing is is uh, is not the only thing that can make something successful. Marketing is a great thing uh, for something that is going to be successful. Uh, it's like a steroid. It's mm-hmm. like a, you know. Uh, so so you can't build a brand out of marketing. You have to at least a food brand mm-hmm. uh, which which has product. I mm-hmm. think what it really really taught me is that product is the center of everything. Uh, the reason that uh, a Frankie sells is because of the product first. Uh, so that's uh you know even when we started coffee uh really getting deep into uh learning and educating oneself whether it was uh becoming a certified q grader mm-hmm. uh which who basically can grade arabica coffee anywhere in the world whether becoming a sca certified trainer so all of that education really really helped uh getting deep into the product mm-hmm. and understanding uh what a product is why it works why people like something don't dislike something uh so that is that is something that really really uh, we 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 learned a lot from that where at least i 
focused and said everything starts with product and has to start with product then you can build everything else whether it's the marketing the team and all of that and i am restricting it to the fnb world but i think even in the it world and think uh, anywhere anything in yeah. when it's to do with product it starts with product so that's that's a big big uh uh learning and lesson and that's something that we took into good flipping burgers as well so how did you meet your co-founders so strangely it was exactly as you said uh the burger was my one indulgence uh on a weekly basis so i remember having um uh loving mcdonald's uh burgers when i was uh, in college and mm. you know it was like almost a weekly uh kind of um we used to go weekly to the mcdonald's have the Correct. i had my double filet o fish they used to not do double filet o fishes so what i'd do is buy two filet o fishes throw the other buns out put the double and have that so nice. i loved that and my fries and that was my uh, my mm. college mm. so once a week college meal with the little pocket money that i had uh, and that was fancy for us at that point of time uh, but yeah i think after a certain point of time i think you cross a certain age where where you start craving uh, better products mm-hmm. and you also start worrying about your health and your uh, and your taste buds improve and so on and so forth so we graduated from that and uh, i realized that for about 7 or 8 years i just stopped eating burgers in mm. india and i i remember whenever i travel abroad us middle east dubai just crave a burger we'd go there and eat like uh, shake shack or you know uh, even the the real whopper from mm. burger king mm. uh, so so that was uh, that was something that kind of sparked uh, sparked an idea i think uh, 2019 i was introduced to this uh, 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 cloud kitchen that somebody was running and i started ordering from there um and the product was absolutely fantastic it was world class mm. and i was quite surprised and it was affordable and i ordered it again next week and i ordered it and it didn't change so it was consistent i mm. was like this is great mm. uh met the guy who was running that which is cjo mm. who's my co-founder mm. uh and i said hey what are you doing with this uh, is this something that uh, is and uh, i think at that point of time uh, he uh, he wanted to shut down as well and because he's more of a creative food guy and he's like i can't do this you know it's it's too harrowing and i think that's where i said okay uh, i'll help you out uh, we'll we'll do something we'll start a new brand and we'll see how it works i can't give you too much time because mm. i still have my day job and that's where it started uh, we started good flipping burgers in 2019 mm-hmm. uh, and we went on till about the pandemic hit us and we all shut down at the during the pandemic and there was a real question mark during the pandemic as to whether this is worth continuing mm. is it worth my time mm. is it worth our time mm. uh, you know and i think that's where our thought co-founder entered in mm. Birin uh, who's been uh, almost a lifelong friend now of mine and he was also involved in with this with me earlier in mm. business mm. uh and you know Birin came in and said what do we need to do to take this to the next level i said yeah we need to open another outlet see if this is not only a banda brand let's see if it works elsewhere and we did we opened our second outlet uh, in juhu Birin mm. came in on full time he took he took the reins um and um, we haven't looked back since uh, about 8 or 10 months later i was encouraged to quit my job as well and say hey uh, we need to give this our full attention we really have something here mm. the product is appreciated a lot people aren't complaining about the price and they are buying it repeatedly so that you have something that's mainly how does the name how did the name come along it's a very cool name. uh 
Yeah, it was it was basically um, you know we uh, we had uh, we 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 have a brand marketing head with us now who was also involved at that point of time uh, Salman who kind of uh, was with me earlier as well and uh, so we asked him to come up with names and uh, I think we all contributed in some way and then we had like five names that we had and uh, there were some there were some crazy names in there as well thankfully we didn't go with those uh so so yeah and we we came across this name and it was about good uh what's the what's what do you want in a burger and you know you don't want it to be like crazy all the mm. time you want a good burger uh, because it's it's satiating it should be satiating you should finish in about mm. one or two minutes max right you shouldn't be eating a burger for longer than that unless you're having a conversation with someone and uh, and you know what do we generally do with burgers especially mm. the patties you flip it so we're like okay good flipping burgers we sent it out to about 50 60 people mm. and uh, most of them liked it so we were like okay let's go for this at that point of time i i i was mature enough to know that a brand name is not going to make or break something it's the product first so but we really really liked it and people liked it and we said yeah it's it's cool it's it's a good flipping burger so Yeah there So today are. how many outlets do you guys have So as we speak we will be opening our 26th outlet today Oh wow Yeah in Khargar uh it's a it's it's kind of a pickup outlet mm. but we are really proud about the fact that we opened outlet number 25 just about a week ago and this is our biggest outlet yet uh this is the one that we just launched in Malad it's mm-hmm. a 1300 square feet outlet mm-hmm. 55 seater Some oh, wow. 15 or 20 seats outside. So this is like our proper dine-in foray, uh, where we're where we believe that uh, you know people need a third space, even for burgers, mm. uh, just to come and chill, mm. uh, spend about 45 minutes, have a great meal, uh, chit chat, uh, have some fun, you know, and and go so about know, their business. So I didn't know. I didn't know Good Flipping Burgers had outlets. I always thought it was delivery only. No, for, no. For me, it's always been delivery only. Yes. I've never gone to an outlet. So we here. started off as a delivery brand huh. for sure. and uh, but within a year uh, it uh, you know of uh, when i say a year after the pandemic mm. uh, we realized that the the vision that we have so the vision that we have is to be the most loved burger brand in india of india in mm. india mm. Uh, and for that vision to be fulfilled we could no longer only do delivery the statistics that we had is uh, delivery was at that point of time about 8 or 10% of the market and mm. growing rapidly mm. obviously mm. but 90% of the market was still dine in so if we were only dipping into 8 or 9% of the market uh, and we want we had this vision i don't think the two match mm-hmm. so for that we had to definitely do a dine in foray besides that i think uh, to build a brand you have to interact with people you have to have physical outlets uh, it's something that uh, i come in with a lot of experience of working with brands and understanding uh, even from a third party perspective as to how that kind of works so it all kind of made sense and i think during maybe second third wave i don't know how many mm. waves now omicron <laughs> i think we launched our first dine in outlet in bandra uh, it's i wouldn't call it a fantastic uh, dine in experience but it was one of those you know let's make a mumbai compromise <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> so the people of uh, bombay are, are super super nice by the way they you know even if you kind of smush the seats together people don't mind sitting next to each other so we kind of played on that and said hey let's do a physical outlet and let's see what happens mm-hmm. and 
and i think the biggest discovery that we had we were we were pleasantly surprised about the profile of our customer you know earlier when we were in the delivery business we always thought our customer was well traveled cosmopolitan somebody like us generally that's the hmm. mistake hmm. founders make they mm -hmm. always think their mm -hmm. customers are mm -hmm. like them and when we opened our dine in outlet we saw uh, we saw kids coming in we saw we saw college kids we saw teenagers we saw uh we saw families we saw uh, just a dad having a meal with uh, his daughter or his son and it That's was just nice. crazy it was so what we discovered is everybody loves a good burger so mm -hmm. so that that really encouraged us and gave us a lot of uh, uh you know t uh, a lot of courage to go ahead and and uh, make a pitch to even investors saying mm -hmm. that hey we don't want to be a delivery brand only uh, we want to be uh definitely number one in the delivery market but we also want to be a dine in brand a place where people can come and experience the burger but also more importantly just uh chill have have good community times and uh, you know enjoy a good burger and be on their way so that's where it basically came from mm. we opened about six dine in stores after that okay. uh, in various parts uh, we have one in washi in chambur uh, and all of them are doing decently well uh, but i think malad is our truest expression of what a real burger joint uh, should look like mm. our whole idea with malad was you walk in there and you should uh, you should feel like you walked into a great burger joint anywhere in the, the world. world so nice. that's that's hopefully what we have tried to achieve and once you see it maybe you'll have i i i'm i'm looking forward to my <laughs> next trip to malad now just to experience this so you said uh, uh, raising funds right so uh, how difficult was it to raise funds in india um how's that experience i think it's a so i think my founder virain would really really be the right one because he was the one who kind of uh, drove the whole exercise but obviously i was involved mm -hmm. as well and we we had many sleepless nights and i think the first question that came about raising funds with us so let me answer that question mm -hmm. first and then i'll explain mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. i think it's uh, easy and difficult it's both uh, it's not either or uh I think if you have the right product if you uh, and if you stick to your guns mm. uh generally you should be able to raise funds uh then there are obviously external factors and so on and I think we raised funds in one of the most challenging environments covid although we were a delivery kitchen our pitch was that we don't want to be a delivery kitchen so that put a lot of in initial investors off and every investor looked at us and said hey but if you only invest 2x mm. 2n mm. it becomes 10 mm. why aren't you doing that why do you want to invest 5 to have 12 mm. uh, that's the common question mm. and mm. we said no that's not our vision our vision is to build this uh, brand and we can only build this brand by opening dine in outlets mm. and we will do delivery as mm. well so that was our difficult at the first the first pitch was what's the market mm. uh, the first question was what's the market and that was again difficult mm. to answer because uh, i consider ourselves sort of first movers in the organized premium burger that's segment um, and uh, we we try to give that answer by saying hey there are trends in the world mm. is generally what happens there happens here ends up happening here it's only a matter of time and most of them didn't get it some of them who did get it our friends and our family really really supported us so we went the kind of a traditional route so to speak friends and family supported us then friends of friends people <laughs> who believed in us and so on and then finally we've had these really really cool and great investors come on board a fund 
uh, Tanglin, uh, really, really supportive. Mm. I think we are the first F&B investment oh, and they really, really believe in our vision. And I think that was the most important part for us. We didn't want the money and then to have like uh, disagreements from day one as to what to do with that money. So I think that's fantastic. Uh, we've had quite the, we've had, a, as I said, uh, difficult, difficult, difficult. But once people got it and we started proving it with our numbers and our capabilities, I think it became easier. easier, and easier. Uh, right. So, and I think it's also a matter of time where people want to see whether you're sticking to what you're saying or are you going to, are you willing to change mm. with anything that's happening that's mm. going around? Mm. So we kind of stuck to our guns. We believed in what we did. We we're quite headstrong that way. And, uh, we waited for the right investors. Uh, we, we, there was a lot of struggle. There was, there was debt. Uh, there was, uh, uh, you know, we kept keeping our salaries on hold. And when I say our salaries, I meant only director Directors, and co-founder yeah, salaries. Everybody got paid on time. Otherwise, uh, so we've been through that. And it seems like a little bit of a blur now. But yeah, there were hard times. But I think, again, belief in yourself, uh, especially and if especially if the sales numbers are backing your product. I mean, you can believe in a product that's not selling. <laughs> it's not going to make sense. But yeah, but your sales numbers should back it up. And I think if... If that's happening, then I think you're on to something and then it's just a matter of time and, and keep trying. So the uh, initial days of most companies, you'll be going through sleepless nights, founders don't get paid for months, maybe in years together, right? And yeah. sometimes that can even be a mistake. I, I, I interact with a lot of founders and yeah. many times they come to me from entering and I look at their books. And it's the person has been running it for two years and not taken a salary. And I was like, that's not realistic. Like, you have funds. Yeah. They're like, no, no, you know, we don't want to take away from our future this thing. I'm like, but tomorrow when an investor looks at your PNL, hmm. you're going to be drawing salaries. So your real PNL would would be one with salaries of directors, you know, taken aside. So I think that's one of the big mistakes most first-time founders make, right? Sure. I'm glad you guys didn't do that. When the times are tough, yes, yeah. of course. I mean, pandemic times, no, no founders, yeah. no directors were able to take salaries. Yeah. But I think it that. was a graduation. Uh, I didn't take a salary for a long time, uh, and <laughs> but it's not like I was struggling. Uh, you know, I was financially secure, hmm. uh, and uh, and when we started seeing that the company was doing well enough to pay us a salary, we said, "Hey, we deserve that, and we should take it, and it's worth our time." And it also prevents you from. You know, keep looking at something else. Hey, what else can I do? What else can I do? If, if this is it, this is your focus, then make sure it pays you well as well. And, uh, you know, you shouldn't. I mean, because if it's not paying you well, then you will look for a side gig. And by looking at a side gig, you're not giving the standard. Absolutely. So what? money is money is very, very important. 100%, right? <laughs> I mean, you're doing it for money. Yes, you're doing it for the larger impact, Absolutely. but you're also doing it for money. Yes. Uh, what advice would you give a first-time founder who's looking for a co-founder? What should they be looking for in a co-founder? Oh, wow. I have plenty of advice here. <laughs> Uh, I think the most important thing is uh, trust. Uh, I don't think that's a negotiable. Uh, in my opinion, that's a non-negotiable. Um, and I know trust is a, it's a hard thing, you know, and trust gets tested over a period of time. Uh, there, there's a lot that I learned from my failed partnerships. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned was that if you don't trust each other, nothing that you do is going to work. Uh, right. And when I say trust, uh, the trust comes, evolves to a place as to does this person um, want the best for me? And if the answer to that is yes, 100%, then I think whatever disagreements that you can have, uh, you know, the intention of saying that, hey, that person is actually wanting the best for our business. And this is not personal. And I think that is one of the most important uh, things. Uh, I think the second is obviously choosing co-founders with 
uh, not your own strengths, uh, things that they bring to the table that you do not have, mm. that you do not possess. Mm. And I think that is super. So for me, it's uh, trust and capabilities. These are the two non-negotiables. Everything else can be worked around, built around and all of that. And I was lucky enough to, you know, get lucky with I mean, not only luck, but time as well to to find two co-founders that we trust each other. Uh, I think the question that we always ask ourselves whenever we have a, not mm. if we have a dif- mm. disagreement, whenever we have a disagreement mm. is, is, is this the best thing for the business? And is this not hurting my ego right now? And I think that's, uh, that's where we have managed to build uh, a really, really uh, cool team, so to speak. So, yeah. And what was a lesson from, let's say, Starbucks? that you are applying in Good Flipping Burgers, which was a changing, like a life-changing thing. So much, man. Uh, the three and a half years that I spent at Starbucks, mm. uh, you know, I look so fondly back at it. It's, it's, uh, it's that, that three and a half years and the rest, uh, 12 or 14 years of my career, I learned a lot more in those three and a half years. Obviously, I was older and much mm. more wiser and mature as well. Uh, but I think just being part of the leadership team and understanding how each leader is involved in the success of the business and how it it doesn't take one person to build a business, but a team of uh, uh, people with different capabilities, mm. different thought processes, mm. uh, you know, some sometimes completely saying the opposite of what you're thinking or saying and how that kind of builds a brand. Mm. I think that's really, really, uh, they've, they've really nailed that as to how they can bring people together from mm. different walks of life mm. and really uh, keep getting taking this brand from strength strength to strength so that is a big one uh, i think interacting with leaders mm. from different departments whether they're supply chain marketing uh, operations finance and understanding how they each bring uh, what is necessary to the table for a company a business to succeed i think that's something that was uh, really really amazing also the brand how the brand has been built over a period of time and how they've kind of uh, gone through the ups and downs of, you know, being written off and then coming back and being written off and then coming back. It's it's one of those uh, success stories that just keeps on uh, keeping on. Uh, what was really surprising for me and uh, really, uh, that's one of the reasons that I really want to join them. Having been in the uh, Indian industry for a really long time, the F&B industry, uh, th- even as a third party, a broker, I saw brands like, uh, you know, Gloria Jeans coming in, uh, you know, uh, other coffee brands, Costa Coffee and all of these guys trying to capture the Indian market and none of them were successful. And generally the consensus was no, the price point and Starbucks came with the same price point, uh, or maybe even a higher price mm-hmm. point. And if I'm not wrong, they have more than 350 stores today selling lattes at more than 250 rupees. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's 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 a fantastic achievement uh, and they're still growing strong so so i think uh, starbucks offers more than coffee yeah of course you go there for the experience you go there for the ambience you go there for just sometimes in a place to meet a customer to meet a friend absolutely uh, and that's, i think they were able to create that premium environment right and for that one hour or 45 minutes you spend the yeah. 200 300 bucks yeah Nothing, right? right? Because you get to spend time with, yeah. you know, somebody have a good conversation. Right. It's never too loud, yeah. right? People know you. I mean, call you by your name, which I think is a... Uh, yeah. So I saw one very interesting, uh, uh, like a blurb about Starbucks. They're like, hey, there was a time hmm. where all of them speci- purposely spelled your name wrong <laughs> so that people would take pictures and put it on social media. Was, was that true or was it just a... 
No. Somebody just kind of made a thing out of no, it. No, it's not true at <laughs> okay. all. It's not true at all. I think, but just highlighting that uh, at Starbucks, uh, they, you know, the people that work for them mm. in the stores, they, they're called partners. Mm. I think that is the, the X factor at Starbucks. Yes, uh, you can build an experience uh, and anybody with enough money can build an experience. Uh, you can also, to a certain extent, build a product, you know, get a team of uh, product people and, you know, uh, build a product and it may not be the best product, but it'll be a great product, good mm. product, and you can determine price point. But the interaction and the experience that you have, I think that is what separate. In my opinion, that's what separates Starbucks from the rest. Every restaurant or every cafe that you go to, you know, the barista is generally smiling. Uh, she'll call your name. Uh, she will ask you for, uh, you know, maybe you, she'll ask you how your day was. And I think that those little things make the and they can do this consistently over a over a range of stores and i think that is the x factor uh you know other coffee brands also build great experiences mm -hmm. but the replication of hey i walk into a bangalore i walk into mm -hmm. a pune i will more or less have a great experience a good experience if not a great experience and i know what i'm paying for and you know i'll spend my time here and i'll leave so i think that that is the X factor. Uh, wherever you go, I travel in the world. Uh, wherever you travel in the world, generally, this is the experience that you will have at a Starbucks. So, so it's the I think the people that make a very large difference, and yeah. having that consistency, I think, is very difficult. Because Absolutely. Everyone comes from a very yeah. different background, different expectations, different things, yeah. different education. But getting right. all of them to deliver the near same experience, yeah. I think, is a. So the company takes great, uh, great pride in kind of. Uh, you know, training their people, but not only training their people, making them feel uh, uh, that they belong. And I think that's something that as a company that Starbucks has really, they, they've gone and invested in their people. They've, uh, they've, they've basically made them feel part of the ecosystem. And that's when a, a, a company person will then make you feel part of the system as well as a customer. So they translate, instead of foca focusing too much on the customer, they focus on their people. And those are the lessons and learnings that we are taking at Good Flippin' Burgers as well. Nice. Uh, you know, we we love to focus on our people. We we have uh, we have a thing called the Happiness Index, basically, oh, nice. where we do a quarterly uh, survey, an anonymous survey, which goes out to all our uh, people at our stores, and they get to fill in, uh, you know, questions like. Uh, are you getting paid enough? Do you think uh, what is the store environment like? Are you happy with your restaurant manager? And rate it from one to five. Very very simple questions to answer. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we do a uh, we do an in depth analysis. And then you know uh, generally uh, the atmosphere is kind of uh, created by the restaurant manager, who's the store manager, mm -hmm. and he's the leader at the store. So then there are there are lessons to be learned. There are coaching there are coaching uh, tips to be given to say hey maybe change this change that. So I think that's something that we we're trying to build as well. We're not there yet by any means, but. Uh, we have the right intentions and this is something that we're working towards so keeping our people super super motivated and happy so in turn they they make our products the way that we want them made and they serve our customers with a smile so that's that's where we focused on as well what was the biggest challenge you faced when you went from a cloud kitchen to a store uh, it was it was uh, it was uh, it was nightmarish in terms of uh, the sleepless nights that we got to try and imagine how will we be interacting because running a cloud kitchen and delivery kitchen is super easy for us we we know it we do it you know we can we can build a cloud kitchen in two or three weeks start serving burgers and uh, we know everything will be fine mm -hmm. but yeah at the end of the day when you build a physical store 
interacting with the customer that's the most nervous experience that i think a first time not a first time a first time food mm. and beverage entrepreneur can experience uh we took our time we didn't open 10 outlets at one time we opened one uh we we spent days there you know uh, the co-founders it helped that it was in the same area that we lived we <laughs> we sat there uh, i trained i trained some of the staff myself first with customer interaction we did a lot of things ourselves i still do some of the it work in my company uh but uh, yeah it was frightening uh after a certain point of time it it calmed down and settled down and we started attracting better people as well uh, uh who could kind of manage customers then we had a training department uh now more or less uh, we are not that involved on a day to day basis with opening a new outlet but yeah we do get involved with any kind of customer complaints experiences all mm. of that so so that is something that we're completely in sync with uh, we have groups where every customer complaint uh with with some kind of message is attended to uh we we make sure that we get back to the customer and ask them how can we make it right so that's that's something that uh we take great pride in uh we we just believe that when you spend uh, a decent amount of money on a burger and you know you expect a satiating delicious experience and if that experience is messed up in any way uh i think it's uh it's only right to to get back and say hey can we can we do something for you can we send you another burger can we entertain you the next time and i think most customers are reasonable uh, you know you obviously have the the little bit of the percentage that is the outliers okay. but most customers are reasonable as long as you're giving them a good product mm-hmm. and a good experience they're fine so that's how we try and deal with uh, customers where where yeah we're very close to the ground that way how do you keep yourself motivated Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think uh, I think for you, self motivation is is uh, is is a very uh, amazing quality. It's one of the most amazing qualities to have. I think uh, when we're looking to hire people as well, we're we're looking at them to be self starters and self motivated people. Unfortunately, that quality is I wouldn't say rare, but it's 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 lesser compared to what you would want. but i also realized that it it's a quality that can be built over a period of time uh, i was not i i wouldn't count myself as a self motivated individual till i maybe got to like 31 or 32 and that's when i started realizing if only i did some stuff earlier that i would be way ahead of where i was right now uh, so so it's something that comes over a period of time with realization as well i think now it's more of a hey i have this one life to live uh, you know and i need to make the best of it whether it's uh, whether it's for the people around me in my family whether it's the people at work uh, whether it's for myself and whether it's the the little neighborhood or community that i'm living in and i think uh, when when you start thinking that way everything or not everything that you do a lot of things that you do could be like self motivating uh, you know getting up for example and uh, you know uh, uh, basically reading something you know or uh, uh, watching uh, watching a podcast every night or stuff like that that kind of uh, gives you learning and education and in today's day and age all of that is so accessible it's crazy so i think it's 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 just 
in my case self motivation was built over a period of time mm. uh, there are there are few people who are very very self motivated uh, i think uh, my daughter is super self motivated how uh, how old is she she's 13 oh wow. uh, yeah and she's uh, she you know she's uh, she she does her football she does her music her piano she does her studies uh, and she also finds time to do her uh, other hobbies she wrote a book oh, when wow. she was like 10 or 11 What's like, the book called? Uh, Arya Francis and Odin's Spear. It's to do with like mythology. Uh, I think if I'm not wrong, it's Greek mythology. I I read the entire book <laughs> chapter by chapter. And so my son also is extremely interested in Greek mythology. Yeah. And the other day, uh, I took the entire family to office. It's Norse mythology. Norse mythology. Yes. Yeah, Norse. So uh, we went to the office on a Sunday to show them that we were taking over one more floor, right? So they wanted to see. So I took them there, and on the way there, on the way back. he made me listen to a podcast called greeking out hmm so first i was like hey, i when i drive i like, like to listen to music i'm like i'm listening to music he's like no daddy just listen to one episode if you don't like it we'll switch to your music we watched we heard five episodes on the way there and on the way back wow. and it was amazing and it was so thing he had already heard it he had read about it Right. So he was telling me ahead, like the guy is mentioning something. He's like, "Oh no, but his daughter is this, yeah. and you know, oh he did that. He killed the yeah. serpent and he did." And they're so into it. Yeah, and I was, I was blown away. I didn't know all this about Norse yeah. mythology, and it was just heartening to see her. This guy, like eleven years old, and he knows so much about different different mythologies, yeah. and he like gets so into it. And I'm so glad that she wrote a book. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to buy the book and make him <laughs> read it. If I don't read it, I'm making sure he's reading it. No, I think. I think it's important uh, that whole, and I, I don't, I don't think it magically happens. I think even as parents, we have a responsibility to uh, really, really imbibe that into our kids, uh, not pressurizing them into being self motivated, but giving them various opportunities to kind of do things on their own and kind of see the results and then be like happy with it. She's super judgmental about her work right now. She doesn't, she doesn't want to, uh, she doesn't want people to read that book anymore. But she, because she's like, that's so childish now that I think about. It. So tell her right the next yeah, one. Then that's, <laughs> maybe that's, that's the only exactly. way they're going to forget the old one. So yeah, And so that's cool. so that will bring me to my next point. Now, as a father, yeah, what advice would you give to your daughter when she turns eight? If you have to give one piece of advice, what would that be? No. Don't do stupid things. <laughs> I already tell her that on a weekly basis. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's complicated. Everybody's life is so different, and hopefully, I don't have to give her that one piece of advice when she turns eighteen. Like uh, the amount of time that we spent with her and her growing up uh, and all of that should be enough for her to understand and realize. What I do realize, though, is that during my teens, uh, any kind of crazy habit that I picked up, it's really difficult to let go of as you keep growing older. And I think the experiences that you have have such a uh, impact on your life later in life, even though you don't understand it or realize it on a subconscious level. So I think that's uh, so that you really have to be careful uh, throughout. Uh, their their growing mm. up fa- phases, but especially during the teens, when when you know the whole uh, re- rebel side is coming out and rebel without a cause and all of that, I think there has to be some sort of understanding and also guidance. You can't just let them go, uh, or, but you can't keep telling them what to do as well. So I think it's, and I'm still figuring it out. I'm not an expert <laughs> yet. I also have a son who's uh, seven, so hopefully I'll be much pre- better prepared for him. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's yeah. I hope that I don't have to give her one piece, <laughs> one of, piece advice. of advice. 
So I also have two kids, 11-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter. And uh, my, my son is a very quiet, you know, he reads his books. He gets up at 5.30, 5 o'clock at times, reads books, plays chess, uh, into uh, basketball, into tennis. And uh, my daughter, she's otherwise very quiet. But when both of them come together, oh my God, <laughs> it is hell. And she is extremely headstrong. Means if she wants one thing, that's how she's going to do it. You, you cannot change your mind. So I always am worried that when she becomes a teenager, how is that going to look like? So I actually told her one day, you know, I'm very scared when you become a teenager. She's like, don't worry, daddy, I'll be smarter by then. I, I, I will not trouble you as much. Right? Um, so one thing that I've told them that as, as they're growing up, I keep teaching them life lessons. Like, so when they were born, like when they were like two, three, I, uh, the first sentence that I taught them, which I wanted like, almost ingrained in them. The first one was, karma has no deadline. Right. right, And actions are consequences. And almost yes. every year, I will craft like one little thing for them to kind of focus on. That's right. Nice. And I think the one of the recent ones I taught them was grit. Hmm. Like, I don't want you all to give up. You yeah. will have failures. Yeah. You all should have failures. Absolutely. Learn how to fail properly. Yeah. Right. Anytime you fail, like I know my son, he played, uh, he plays chess and, and, and one of the nationals, he did not win. Yeah. So he was obviously dejected. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? The fact that you made it to nationals is a big thing. Yeah. Two, what went wrong? Write it down. Not for me, not for your chess or whoever, yeah. for yourself. Write down what you could have done differently. Yeah. Right. Because you either win or you learn. Mm. You don't have to lose. Right. So that's something I've been yeah. trying to ingrain in them for last one year. Maybe next year yeah. I'm, I'm going to have something else. But that would bring me to one of my uh, last, second last question. How do you compound? You and your founders, how do you all compound? How do you all learn? Um, I think uh, learning is an everyday thing. Uh, we are so different uh, individually, uh, you know, whether it comes to our strengths, our weaknesses, uh, whether it comes to our uh, areas of interest, even when it comes to our friends, uh, you know, we, we generally don't hang out after work. Okay. Uh, we do make it a point once once in a while to hang out and stuff like that. But but I think the three of us are so different and the kind of uh, experiences that we have from our different lives and our different past. I think that kind of, so we learn uh, fr from from that. Mm -hmm. I, I think uh, um, my co-founders are much calmer than I am, uh, you know. Uh, so that is something that I learned from them. Uh, and I'm sure they have a lot to say for themselves. I won't speak for them. Mm. Uh, but I think most importantly, I think the things that bind the three of us together is that we have very little ego attached to the business. Uh, we really, really treat the business as a separate entity. Uh, you know, a lot of co-founders or found founders that I have seen where they become the business or the business becomes them and it becomes part of their identity. I think the three of us are really grounded that way where uh, good flipping burgers is good flipping burgers. It's something that we have created. It's not necessarily something that w we will uh, keep creating and making part of our we we're happy to for this to become larger than life uh, you know bring people on board see what else we can do with it and really really make this a fantastic brand uh, in the same way you know that starbucks is not about mm. howard schultz anymore it's, it's a it's a large uh, conglomerate and a company that's really really working and creating this brand identity i think that's something that we're completely unattached to we, we we're not we don't treat the brand as part of ourselves. And I think that's something that lets us look outside ourselves and say, hey, who can we bring on board? Who can take this to a better place? Who can, how can we, how can we do things that are better outside of ourselves rather mm. than just, you know, keep giving of ourselves? Because that's really, really tiring, I feel. That's a, it's a tiring thought to be, uh, to build an identity mm. in something that is 
going to be so large and so so yeah i think that's something that where, where like have you guys crafted a vision for where do you guys want to be let's say 3 or 5 years from now so the vision line the vision statement is very simple we want to be the most loved burger brand in india uh they may evolve over a period of time uh i think uh uh it's easy to remember it's easy to say but more importantly i think it's achievable uh i think that's the most important part because we really believe that we have something going for us whether it's our product whether it's our uh, it's our interaction with our customer whether it's our interaction with our own people mm. uh that we can really really build something unique uh, the three of us come from non fnb backgrounds even though sijo is a is the guy who's come up with all the recipes he's not a certified chef <laughs> i think that gives us a different outlook entirely uh, we come as customers generally you know we we love food uh, i was telling somebody the other day food is an emotion mm-hmm. you know when you get home and you don't get good food you start feeling a little angry <laughs> so and and it's it's a it's it's a thing that can affect your emotion three or four times a day so i'm like you know how powerful is food so so that's something that we really really bound by we love love absolutely love good food and whether that's good flipping burgers or anything else uh, you know we we and so so that's i think uh, yeah we 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 really believe in this vision uh, we really believe that uh, we can achieve it uh, but we'll see how things go so if i was starting a food company now hmm what advice would you give me start with product uh, experiment uh, in uh, let's say at least two or three locations start with a delivery kitchen because it's easy to start uh, right it's not that difficult um, and once you have your proof of concept uh, be involved on a day to day basis you can't uh, side gig it right uh, then it won't succeed correct uh, be involved in a day to give it your all give it your all for at least i think 18 months to 24 months is good enough okay. to give Uh, a food business a chance to work at least and if it doesn't then it's then just call it right or you know don't waste your time your time is worth more than that and uh, and i think once you have that then build a team around it i think that's the that's simple, so simple steps uh, so uh, at at equinox we work with almost 65000 you know companies and uh, we're putting together this thing called the food founders ecosystem yes which I was mentioning earlier right it have a master class it will have partner ecosystem job portal food founders club you know which we're going to get 40 founders together every month in every city what are your thoughts on this we had this discussion before i think it's a it's a great uh, great avenue for people who want to network who want to learn from each other i think that's uh, that's fantastic it's always good to uh, kind of understand people's challenges and i think when when people come together it is it is it's always helps right because then you exchange ideas uh, different uh, different uh, thought processes take shape a brand can happen you know uh, collaborations can happen so on and so forth so i think what's really exciting is about the the job portal as well that's really really cool uh, i think uh, we've we've struggled like most of the people in the industry uh, even though we try and uh, have the best practices or trying to have the best practices with people uh it uh, it definitely uh, people is a big problem uh, uh you know people will switch jobs for 1000 2000 rupees 500 rupees also sometimes and uh, you know so that's that really helps and uh, what i think would also be really really interesting is to build some kind of uh, 
uh, upskilling system on this in in this part where you know not only do we hire people but we kind of give them courses to upskill themselves i think that uh, once people start realizing that a that, that a company or a, an app is really interested in in them becoming better versions of themselves uh, i think that's something that could really help so uh you've actually mentioned something we were planning to work on next because okay. this has two sides right one is the founder side which right. has all these four things and on the applicant side we were planning to build content to help people upskill to know more about for example something as simple as fssai which is a food safety you know standard in india right. anyone working in the food industry should know about it right. unfortunately 99% of people just know what that word is right they don't even know the full form of that word and what it means for that you know if you're working in a business food business what are the basic safety standards so unless the business teaches you and enforces mm. it me as a food handler has no formal education right? right so we were trying to build an upskilling system in this where you can even get certificates you can get all this nice. which can even come up in your profile so if i apply for your job and if i've done these three courses it'll like to show up like hey ashwin has done a course on fssi he's done a course on level 1 on food safety level 2 food safety right. so that i would be a more preferred candidate or somebody who hasn't right so that we're building yeah. in, it is not for the next 6 months to 1 year the reason is first we don't want to focus on Absolutely. revenue at all yeah. idea is purely add value on all sides let it be for founders uh, for the partner ecosystem or for people applying for jobs yeah the idea is for founders we plan to keep this free forever obviously apart from the networking event which is at cost yeah. right? because we book out a restaurant uh but on the partner side maybe even on the job applicant side we may look at monetizing but not for the first year the reason is add value first add so much value tomorrow if you ask for money people should be they shouldn't even think twice they'd be like here's the money yeah that's what we're trying to build yeah. right and uh, the funny part is i spoke to about 50 people 50 founders food mm. founders about this almost 90 95% of them were most excited about the job portal yeah yeah even though i was excited that's about few other things they're like no no job you man give me good people yeah i'll be music to the uh, years of my recruitment team uh, they are constantly on the phone i don't know how they do it but yeah it's a it can it's i think one of the biggest challenges is getting yes. good you know good talent yeah. in place so uh, sir thank you so much for taking out your time and thank sharing you. you know uh, so many uh, lessons that you've learned how you came up with the brand and know so many other parts of your journey thank you so much and i'm hoping that uh, the listeners are able to take away at least one or two of these nuggets and apply in their real life and i think that's what the big enriching thing is yes. right? because everyone today will listen to a podcast or they will see a video somewhere but if they don't take anything back and don't apply it like the I, i loved how you took something from starbucks and applied it here i'm very sure from all the experiences you picked up Absolutely. you know things which you're applying here which and so were your co-founders which is what is making good flipping burgers yes. you know the way it is and uh, today uh, uh, my team was super excited because when we said you're coming so they were like uh, for lunch are we going to be having i said yes for lunch we're going to be ordering good flipping burgers and uh, so today lunch by the way is going to be good flipping burgers I, i don't know if you'll have time to join us but we would love to but uh, that's something that i personally always look forward to that's one of my highlights of the week and in for my team so we've done it before with the team as well yeah. so today they were very curious like are we going to do that today as well? so uh, so said thank you so much and Thanks. i'm looking forward to seeing good flipping burgers grow it's thank already you. growing at a tremendous pace thank you. i'm very sure within the next couple of years it will be a global brand and i don't think it should be india's most loved burger i think the aspiration should be at the world's most loved burger first india then the world but uh, I, i'm the space at which you have grown and the way your product has evolved the way your experience has been evolving i think is fantastic i think you guys are doing an amazing job thank and you I, and keep going at it and wish you all the best anytime i can be of any help support 
you can always count on us. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. it. It really helps processing all these thoughts. Generally, a lot of these questions are never asked or you're internally processing them anyway. So, good uh, start to a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for being on the show. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Ashwin. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.